This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs, introducing the new Firehouse Pub Steak Sub with savory steak, crispy fried onions, and our rich Belgian beer cheese sauce. On tap for a limited time. Order yours at firehousesubs.com today. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs will donate a minimum of $1 million in 2018 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.13% of every purchase. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan, joined uh, by always by Nick Ligatino. The man with many minds. I'm not giving you that title. You like it too much. <laughs> and Joe Saunders. Elvis. Andrus. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is really – this that those intros are really played out, guys. <laughs> we need some new material. So let's get going tonight. All right, so we are doing our – the second phase of our starting pitching preview tonight, but uh, the dam broke in terms of news. So we've got quite a bit to bring to you uh, with respect to the goings on in major league baseball. So we will touch upon that first. Uh, The big story or one of the big stories, the humidor is being installed in Arizona. How are you treating the hitters based on this news? What about the pitchers and who in your mind is the most affected all right. Well, you guys are obsessed with the humidor. It's all I've heard about for the last two weeks. So, Joe, you can start it, and you guys could have a great conversation about it. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like a lot of information getting tossed out there. Um, we heard all sorts of numbers from 20% to 50% of power getting sapped. Um, we also heard a lot of 38% being thrown around. Whatever whatever it ends up being, um, I think it's got to take a hit on most of the hitters. I think Goldie gets shifted down a little bit, but he doesn't get killed. Um, but I also saw information. Let's that, be specific with respect to Goldschmidt. How far down is he down your board? Uh, like two or three, not like 10. That we're so seeing. he's somewhere between fourth and sixth. Yeah. Okay. I, I personally shifted him from second to fourth. Okay. I'm not moving him down any further than that. So what? You're both taking you. Ba- you both basically moved what Altuve and Arenado ahead of him. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So um, the the other thing I wanted to mention too is just that uh, there were, I've also seen information that stolen bases went up in Coors Field. Um, after they installed the humidor, so take it take it with a grain of salt. But you know, maybe we start to see more stolen bases in Arizona too. Ultimately, I think Lamb is the guy that gets killed the most, um, just because lefty power isn't that high in Arizona as is. So uh, the humidor might hurt him. Yeah, I, I mean, I pretty much echo what you what you said, Joe. I mean, we expect a Goldschmidt. Um, I think this impacts his ceiling much more than it impacts his floor. Um, I think he goes from, you know, peak power probably being somewhere in the mid to upper 30s to the lower 30s. Um, But I'm not moving him down too much. I mean, he's an offensive beast. I don't think that the counting numbers are going to take a complete plummet. I'm giving him a bit of a reduction, but being that he's so safe and so productive and he's one of the only first basemen that can run. And he's the really the only first baseman that's a five category asset. 
Um, I, I, I'm not going to move him down too much. Um, I agree with you on Lamb. With respect to the pitchers, I, I think they all get a boost, but I think Robbie Ray gets the biggest boost. Uh, his primary issue has been hard contact allowed and homers in the past. The humidor should help both. Um, it will limit the hard contact because the ball will be carrying more water. Um, it'll reduce the um, effect when it comes off the bat. You address those and Ray's profile significantly rises with particular respect to his floor. Um, I think that now Ray is a pitcher that's looking like uh, his floor is about a 3-7 type ERA as opposed to before where we saw his floor in 2016 and it wasn't that attractive. Nick, what's your take? Well, yeah, so the biggest thing I take away from this is uh, is – Pat mentioned is Robbie Ray. Um, last year he had a 1.28 uh, home run per nine, and uh, at home it was a 1.56. So if we could see a big drop there, then you could see a nice bump as far as Robbie Ray's ERA and uh, everything else goes. But with with Goldschmidt, I mean, listen, I've already I, here's the thing: I already had him uh, behind Arenado, so. Um, the, I'm only bumping him one spot. I'm only moving Altuve ahead of him, so it's not really that big of a move because he's just like like Pat said, he's a five category player, and when he crushes, he crushes. So I I just don't think there's going to be that much of a dip in the home runs. I, I just don't see it, and I do agree with Joey said as far as uh, Jake Lamb goes, he's probably going to see the biggest uh, uh, decrease in power on the team. Okay, let's move to the other big news. J.D. Martinez signing with Boston. Uh, the deal is not official yet, but it's expected to be. Five-year deal, opt-out after two years. What are your thoughts on the landing spot for J.D.? Is he a solid second-round pick now? And are you more concerned about Hanley's playing time or Jackie Bradley? Yeah, I, I think he's a solid first-round pick. Um, I, I've loved J.D. for Okay, a so while he's inside now. your top 12. Easily, yeah. I, okay. I would... I would Go, go ahead. Do you have anything else to say? No, no. I'm just clarifying. Yeah, I, I so I have him uh, in my in, in the first round. I'm taking him over uh, Rizzo. I'm taking him over John Carlos Stanton. Uh, I have him in my ninth overall uh, spot ADP wise, and it's pretty. It's 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 right there. The reason is this: he's one of the only guys who could hit 40 plus home runs and bat 300. There's really not many other guys in the league that could do that. Now you pair it with being on the Red Sox and having all these guys who get on base ahead of him, and the counting stats are just going to be, I think, off the charts. Uh, he's also, I mean, it's, it, he's in the AL East. He's going to see, you know, not so good pitching. Uh, he's in Fenway. It's a good ballpark. What's not to like about this move? I think he's going to have an absolute monster year. I love it. And as far as playing time goes, I think Hanley will probably see – I'd be more worried about Hanley's uh, playing time because they want to keep him fresh for the postseason, and they wouldn't be reluctant to bench him for any you know amount of games. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, probably not quite as high, um, both in the rankings and in the move. I think, um, I think the move is kind of like parallel, right? The lineup's probably – uh, a bit of an improvement because he's probably going to bat four now instead of five like he did in Detroit and five in Arizona. But uh, ballpark, I mean, whatever, it's moot. Now he's in the AL East, but he was in Arizona. I, I, I think he's still great. He's great. Okay, but he's, he's second-round pick. Uh, is he a second-round pick? Yeah, yeah. He's not a first-round pick, though. Okay. 
All right, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I like the landing spot. Um, I think the home run ceiling might be a little lower than 2017 Chase Field, but 2017 Chase Field doesn't exist anymore. Um, he's a four-category monster. Like Nick said, I, I love players um, that can give you power and average. They are increasingly rare. Um, there is some injury downside with JD, and you do have to be mindful of that. Um, he has a history of missed games. Um, with respect to the other guys on the team, I'm more worried about Hanley's playing time. Bradley is one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. I do not think that they are going to um, take him out of the lineup very often. So I think Hanley's the guy that might see the decrease in playing time for the reasons Nick mentioned. And I also believe he's got an option that kicks in if he reaches a certain at-bats threshold this year. I think it's around 450 and it's like a $20 million option. So um, if he struggles, I think that the Red Sox will be inclined to sit him. Um, and I'm still worried about that shoulder, despite the positive reports that have come out of Boston about Hanley. Yeah. And, and I mean, Moreland's the natural platoon. So. Yeah. I, I think they'll try and play Hanley first um, just because he's, well, he's, he's got a history as a better player than Moreland, but we shall see. Okay, Eric Hosmer signs with San Diego, eight-year deal, opt-out after five. What do you think about Hosmer in San Diego? Is this a boost, or do you view him mostly as the same? Does this provide a boost to Will Myers? Yeah, I view him mostly as the same, but I give Will Myers a nice boost because the issue with Myers has been the counting stats. Now we should see we should see a nice boost in, in the RBI department, especially considering um, – uh, Hosmer's OBP. If I was the Padres, I would put Hosmer at two or three. I mean, sorry, one or two. Um, right now, I think that uh, he's projected as the, the cleanup hitter, but if he can move to that one or two spot, that would be really nice for Myers. So uh, as far as Hosmer goes, um, it's a neutral park move, but um, he does have to play now in San Francisco, which totally sucks. So um, I think at the end of the day... But he also gets scores. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's it's a neutral move. As far as Myers goes, um, I think having Hosmer on the team helps him, but there's a big issue in that now he's going to play outfield. And um, he has a bit of an injury history, especially when playing outfield. So um, I'm a little bit more skeptical about his health. Yeah, I, I agree with that in terms of Myers. I share the injury concerns. But I do think that this is an overall boost to his value, um, not only because Hosmer makes that lineup better, but also because he gets the additional eligibility. Um, with respect to Hosmer, I think it's a neutral move, but I would not be surprised if San Diego brings back the stolen bases. When Myers came a few years ago, he was not a player that had a history of stealing bases at the major league level. All of a sudden he started to run and that's where Hosmer, I think can justify his draft position um, is if he starts to run again. Now I'm not going to project him for it, but if he's a player that's going to hit 280 and hit low twenties pop and then steals 15 bags, he becomes a much more valuable asset than a player who steals five bases. Um, and San Diego has some history of this now with Myers. Um, so maybe they start to run again. The team isn't supposed to be particularly good this year. I could see an uptick in steals. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't stole, stolen double-digit steals since 
2013, so I wouldn't pick yeah, Connor. And I'm not a big believer in his speed overall, to be honest. But yeah, I, I mean, listen. But if he listen, if he gets you 25 10, then you know that's that's good return in value. Okay, let's move it to the Tampa Bay Rays five-minute segment because that's all we're going to talk about for the next five minutes is all the moves that the Rays have made. And these are literally moves that have been made within, what, the last 48 hours? Yeah. So let's kick it off with the trade of Steven Souza. It was a deal between the Rays, the D-backs, and the Yankees three-way deal. Um, the headliners, of course, are Steven Souza to Arizona after they missed out on J.D., Brandon Drury going to the Yankees, and then prospects going to the Rays. So Souza in Arizona, is his value up, down, or the same in your opinion? Uh, Who cares about Souza? It's about Chris Owen. Yeah, let's get to Chris Owen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, if you guys want to talk about Chris Owen, just go right ahead. Uh, All no, right. In re- All right. Wait, in regards to Souza, though, uh, it's likely the same, but potentially down getting out of the AL East and now Humidor, Arizona. Yeah, I echo that. I think Souza is about the same. I see. I think it's up because he's probably going to be in front or behind Goldschmidt, and that's like one of the best places to be in all of baseball. Fair, fair point. Um, can all we right, go back so briefly? Yes. yes. No, no, this is not going to be brief. All right, Chris Owings. Um, all right, so he's going to get playing time now. This is a guy that I've loved since he was a baby. <laughs> he's really um, going to go off right now. Listen, since he was like 2008, so. Always is getting the playing time. Finally, if he stays healthy, looking at a guy who could easily, easily with his eyes closed go twenty twenty and bat two seventy five plus. I love him. I love him. Can I we love just him. back up for a second? No, I just, I just want to establish that I was the original Chris Owings. What? Guy. No, you. I yes, was. No I way. was. No, no tiebreaker. I honestly don't remember. Oh come <laughs> on! This is such BS. I was on Chris Owings when he was like a sperm. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, yeah. So, we, so we, listen. Uh, I like. I really like Chris Owings a lot, and <laughs> you all should pay attention because he's going to go off this year. That's it. Yeah. No. Really, though, he's like really. He's going to be a really cheap source of, you know, mid-teens pop and probably over twenty stolen bases. You still have him for the mid-teens pop though. Now with the humidor. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm okay with that. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, what about Brandon Drury to the Yankees? Value up, down, or the same? Of course it's up. How could it not be up? Yeah, it's up. Yeah, I think it's up too. Um, I wasn't sure he was going to get full-time at-bats in Arizona, and I'm not positive he's going to get them in Yankee Stadium uh, with the Yankees either, but all right, uh, Yankee Stadium, word vomit. Wait, but why, wouldn't really them, what, why wouldn't he get them in Yankee Stadium? Well, they've got Glaber Torres there. I think it's Andahar, yeah. actually. And Andahar, well, yes, they've got they've got prospects that are mm-hmm. on the cusp that yeah, could yeah. easily take his job and force him into a utility role, which is what he might have been looking at in Arizona anyway. Yeah. Wait, can I can I ask you guys something though? Go ahead. Go. Sorry, Pat. Um, do you think that this affects Torres significantly? Um, I, I think it's a shorter leash for everyone. You know, yes, adding him it, it just makes that. everybody have a shorter leash. You know, I think Andahar is going to get the first shot. Um, no, and I think no. Tor- I think no. Torres is gonna get the first shot. Drury will be in third base, and then uh, Glaber is gonna start at probably playing second base. Torres is gonna see. I disagree. I, I think it's I the other way around. Too. I think it's Andahar. Okay. I think Andahar is playing third, and Drury's playing second. Well, we'll see. And it's whoever def- struggles is going to go to the bench for Torres around June. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, Drury's a guy that's got oppo power. He's right-handed, but he's a guy that hits the ball to the opposite field in the air. I think he'll be able to take advantage of the short porch, uh, put up something similar to what Starlin Castro had done the last couple of years, which is about 20 homers and 280 in terms of pace. I like him a lot as a uh, deep league option. Okay, and do you guys have any comments on the prospects that went to Tampa? Joe? No. No. Joe, you don't have anything to say about Anthony Banda, our boy? Nah. Nah. Okay. Not, not for this okay. year. No. Well, I mean, he might. He might. He might get a shot at the at the fifth starter's job. Oh God! Um, it's just not so diluted there, though. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, his future is very fuzzy. I, I think he's a guy that has a mid rotation ceiling. I was excited about him. Now, with that pitching depth in Tampa, who the hell knows? Um, you know, he could end up in the bullpen as early as this year. Um, and Solak's interesting too. Solak's like a 15-15 type that could hit 280. He's every player that Tampa has ever craved ever because that's just the profile that they love. A middle infielder that can play multiple positions and hit 15 homers and steal 15 bases. That's me, you, Ben Zobrist. That's the raise right there. Um, okay, more raise moves. CJ Cron was traded to Tampa and is presumably going to see a lot of action at first base. Corey Dickerson was DFA'd, um, and now there's a possible trade coming with Dickerson. We're not sure. And they also traded Jake Odorizzi to Minnesota. So, Nick, you're the CJ Cron guy. What do you think about him potentially receiving close to full-time at-bats in Tampa? So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big CJ Cron fan, obviously. <laughs> I've always loved the guy. Uh, he doesn't strike out much. He's got good pop. I've just I've been waiting to, for stupid old ass Albert Pujols to retire so this kid could get the playing time, but Pujols well, is still there. Now. He's got the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So now he's got the opportunity. So basically, looking at a guy who I think he's he's a lock to get twenty plus home runs. If you look at the stats going back to twenty fifteen, uh, limited time, he's got fifteen plus in each year with under one hundred and twenty games played, and he put up a pretty solid average in each year as well. Uh, the speed is something to watch out for. Uh, it's something that I spoke about on last year's pods that we used to do. I think he is a guy that if he gets on base enough, you could see, pro- possibly see close to 10 stolen bases, and that could go with 25 home runs and a decent average, kind of Eric Hosmer-esque. Um, so keep your eye on him. Uh, this is a guy that I, I'm, I'm probably going to wind up drafting because how could I not? I've been waiting for this. So I'm just uh, going to reiterate that Nick Ligatino has every player in Major League Baseball down going. for 10 steals. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> is stealing 10. That is true. Okay, Joe, let's talk about Dickerson. What is the best possible landing spot for him, and where do you think he ends up? The best possible landing spot is Colorado. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, uh, yeah, um... I think there were some rumblings about uh, Dickerson go, maybe getting moved to or getting signed by Atlanta at this point. Signed, um, that could be a good spot. Uh, it gives Acuna a little bit of time to come up, and then they could bench Nick Markakis's bum ass. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts right now. Any? Do you guys have any thoughts about where he might end up? I actually think he might end up in Cleveland. That's a good spot, um, too. Which would be a good spot for him. And I think they've got some right-handed bats on the bench that they can platoon with him. So, uh, But I do like Atlanta as well. 
Okay, uh, so let's talk about Jake Odorizzi very quickly. Uh, would you guys agree that this is probably a neutral move to Minnesota uh, with maybe a little more wins upside? Yeah, the needle for me like just doesn't move at all. Uh, I, uh, it actually moves up. I think it's a plus move. Um, his career ERA is 3.84, but uh, outside of the AL East, it's a 3.24, um, which is pretty darn good. Uh, considering he's a fly ball pitcher and now he's got a lot softer competition and he's out of the AL East, I think it's more than just a neutral move. Yeah, and I I, I do consider it more of a neutral move, but to that point, Joe, um, I believe that the Twins were second in baseball in terms of their um, defense on fly balls, uh, and he's leaving Tampa, which was first. So defensively, it's not much of a downgrade. Which is, unsur- which is not surprising when you consider Byron Buxton's out there. Um, okay, and then the, the move I forgot to mention, which came down today, was Carlos Gomez, How who was signed to replace boy. Corey Dickerson. Um, very briefly on Gomez, you know, he had a pretty nice year last year. He went 17-13 uh, in, in about 425 plate appearances uh, in Texas. Uh, he looks like he's going to receive full-time playing time, at least for part of the year, until they decide to trade him um, in a corner outfield spot. He should be in the meat of the lineup. Um, you know, when you look at that sort of stat line that he put together last year, it's not a stretch to get him to 2020, um, 255. And that's as the 89th outfielder off the board. Of course, he's got rock bottom, you know, zero floor, potential, but he's got zero floor price. Um, so I don't mind taking a shot on him, even though I've had some uh, run-ins with him in the past where they haven't turned out so well. Um, Nick, you're, you're a guy that's been on Gomez before. What do you think about this fit? Well, the Rays went from Corey Dickerson cold to Carlos Gomez cold. It's true. So, it's very true. Yeah, they, they obviously have a system that they're trying to stick to. Um, but I completely agree. I mean, listen, there's no denying the talent, but uh, the, the problem with Gomez is basically this. When he struggles, he looks like the worst player <laughs> oh in baseball. God, and, so yeah, he, he literally looks, looks, he looks like a tr- he looks like a drunk dude trying to play wiffle ball. Yeah, he looks like Bartolo at the plate. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> um, it's pretty bad. But, you know, last year was not bad. And then, like Pat said, it paced out for – uh, over 2020 with a decent average and he could get there again. It's a matter of staying healthy and um, not falling into Car- Corey Dickerson cold spells. So yeah, I- I'm watching him. And for if this, if it comes down to your last pick of the draft, it's a guy you want to take a chance on. This is the guy. I mean, he has the pedigree. All right. Eduardo Nunez signed with Boston. He doesn't appear to have an everyday role, at least for the whole season. He's likely to, Start the season as the everyday second well, baseman until D- Dustin Pedroia returns. Uh, would you take him before pick one seventy five or pick two hundred? No, it would it would be after on both. Uh, he's gonna be he's all right. A- so where? Give me a number. Uh, two fifty ish. Yeah, I'm there too. Yeah, yeah, I'm still there too. Okay, all right. Yasmani Grandal and Austin Barnes. Uh, it was reported that they're going to share catcher duties to everybody's disappointment. Are you drafting either now? Barnes. And do you still like Barnes over Grandal? Barnes. Uh, it's hard to – it's hard. I mean, Not hard. No, it does. It breaks my heart because Barnes is on the short side of the platoon. 
Yep, that's what they said. Which is not but, good, Nick. But, I know. I mean, Barnes. I I like Barnes. You like Barnes. We all like Barnes. But we all like Barnes. But here's the thing. But, so Barnes is officially ready, right? Like you know, he's he is up to the majors now. He's done with his minor league stint, which lasted like 20 years. And the leash is extremely short on Grandal, who falls into extremely cold spells as well. I think that at some point this season, he becomes the everyday catcher, and he's the guy to, without a doubt, invest in. Okay, yeah. So the question was, who who would I like? – I'd rather have Barnes over Grandal still. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think I'd rather have Grandal. What? Um, just because he's got the job. Oh, man. But what do you guys think about deep league, de- uh, a league with a deep bench and daily lineups taking them both? I like it. That's what I said the other day, and you like shitted on me for it. I don't think I did that, but y- you both did. I no, think I think happens. we were talking about a two catcher <laughs> league. Oh, maybe. But yeah, no, I I love the idea of it. Of course, you you have to. This is a great platoon. It's like the perfect platoon. Yeah, it's a, it is actually a really good platoon. Okay. All right, let's move to Ryan Healy. Had a bone spur removed from his right hand. He's out four to six weeks. Will you still take a chance on him late, or are you passing completely at this point? Ryan Healy, you're off the list. Yeah, he's waiver wire fodder now. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, those type of injuries are really bad for power, and he's a guy that's got to hit for good average and good power to have value because he doesn't walk. And he's going to be at the back of a lineup. So, sorry. Okay, and then just a couple of more notes. Uh, single on O, we talked about last week. Turns out that deal was not finalized. He's got an elbow issue, and he's not heading to Texas. Uh, <laughs> the Angels are moving in their right field. Excuse me, they're not moving in their right field fence. They're, they're bringing the wall down about 10 feet, from 18 feet to 8 feet. That could lead to a few more homers and boost the value of lefty Cole Calhoun in particular. <laughs> and finally, Cameron Mabin, one-year deal with Miami, cheap speed option on a bad team. He went 10-33 in 450 plate appearances I like last that. year. All right, listen, I looked at it. These two are almost back-to-back. Who are you taking at the end? Cameron Mabin or Carlos Gomez? Um, wow, that's close. Oof. Joe, you go first. I got to think about this for a second. Uh, Cameron Mabin. Yeah, oh, I'll man. take Mabin too. I mean, uh, I, I think gonna, I'm thinking, he's just going to run like Forrest Gump for like the first half I, of the year. I know, but yeah, no, I'm going with I'm going with Gomez. I, I'm I'm gonna give him one more year, one more chance. Well, the deal the deal for me, right, real quick, is that Gomez could like actively hurt you in so many different ways. Oh, but so could Maven. Maven could easily bat like two thirty. Uh, he did it last year. Yeah, yeah. but like two thirty is still better than Carlos Gomez's two hundred. Yeah, but Fair. listen, it's a, it's definitely an argument that can be had on both yeah, sides. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, I'm fine right either. Each other. Yeah, they're both, they're both. Even if you drafted them, you get a cup both of them by the end of April anyway. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. they're> both- <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. We we got through all the news, guys. Let's move to starting pitcher. Uh, all right, so we left off. We did the top thirty last week. We're on the thirty-first. David Price, one twenty point one ADP. 
on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being total panic. How concerned are you about the elbow? And if healthy, can David Price return to being a top 15 arm? So I'm at a six, but I'm willing to take the chance here uh, because the ADP is so damn sweet. I don't know how you could not be on board with this pick at this point. Uh, last year in limited time, he actually looked really good. You look at his batting average against, and hitters were not making good contact with his pitchers. Um, if he stays healthy, and he this offseason he said so far that he has not had one setback and he feels like his old self, this is a quote, um, I am definitely buying. This is a guy who uh, provides tremendous ratios year after year after year, good ERA, good whip, who was a top – what a top 10 pitcher for how many years in a row since like 2009 to 2016. So I'm taking the shot. 100% love the ADP, love the player. I'm in. Yeah. I'm at a four. I'm cautiously optimistic for a lot of the reasons you outlined, Nick, this is um, a, a player that has expressed that he feels good, that he's, that he's back to his old self. And he came back last year and threw pretty well. He had good velocity. Um, all indications are that he's all systems go. And I love the injury discount. I, I think that this is a fantastic price for him, uh, no pun intended. Uh, I think he could easily be a top 15 arm. Last year aside, he's been extremely durable. He's been a, he's pitched a high volume of innings year after year after year with a really quality K, uh, K per nine of around nine. And I think he's among the likeliest pitchers to return value uh, because the production risk is very minimal. Yeah, and He's and- on a good team. And also, we spoke about on previous podcasts about 130 innings, like that being like the benchmark. Like, I get to 130, we're okay. And if Price gets to 130, look at what he did in limited time last year. In the second half, 2.08 ERA. I know it's only 21 innings, but basically, like, he's been good in between the injuries. So next year, if he gives you 100 plus, even at at this ADP, you're kind of still getting profit. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I actually think he's going to throw pretty close to a full slate of innings this year. Oh, and then – are you kidding me? Then it's, then it's one of the best returns in the entire draft. Yeah. No, I, I do. I think he is going to be one of the best returns in the entire draft. I'm completely on board with him. All right, 32nd, Rich Hill, 122.14 ADP. Hill is another Paxton type, the type we just spoke about, Nick, the 130 innings of, of great production but very little more turning 38. Do you think Hill can continue to perform at a high level? Uh, Rich Hill. All right. So I think that uh, I was the original Rich Hill guy out of the bunch. I think maybe any credit. No. Okay. Go screw yourselves. Um, So Rich Hill, look, when he plays, he's awesome. And last year he hit that 130 mark and he was great. Um, 11 K per nine, 2.69. I'm sorry. 3.25. Uh, on the walk, so the ratios are nice. The ERA was nice. Everything was good, but he's probably the most injury pitcher, uh, injury prone pitcher in all of baseball. Whether it's a blister that ruined my season a couple of years ago, or anything, he just misses time, and and it's a lot of time at once. So it's tough to take a a shot on a guy like that. But I do like the pitcher. The curveball is obviously awesome, and the fastball works, and it comes in it. I don't even know, like 47 miles per hour, but it's been successful. So I like the I like the ADP as well. And he suffers definitely from some ageism, which me and Joey spoke about pre-draft. It, it, it's a beautiful thing for guys like us year after year, Ortiz, Paul Canerco, these guys who are 
discriminated against because of the age and we profit, this is definitely one of those guys year after year that you take him in around 13, 12, 14, whatever it is, and he's going to get you value. Pray for 130. Anything extra is gravy. Okay, let me ask you a question. Um, so I was the big Rich Hill uh, hater last mm-hmm. year. Um, I definitely did not like him. Uh, I've kind of turned a little bit because I think, uh, you know, elite innings are hard to come by, harder to come by now than they were previously. But with that said, my question is, um, do does the decrease in VLO uh, month by month scare you at all? No. And he gave up, he, go ahead. And he gave up a bunch more home runs and increased the walk rate. So none of those things scare you off. No, because his. I don't want to say. I don't want to say that that his VLO doesn't matter. I don't want to say that, but I kind of do want to say that because he was throwing ninety one, and yeah, there's a big difference between ninety one and eighty nine on a fastball, but. Once you're in that range, it kind of doesn't matter. Your secondary stuff is more important. And when the league bats 230 against your curveball and .077 against your cutter, it's just a it's just a pitch to kind of give them the off speed and get them swinging. And so I I am not worried at all. And I I expect it to sit around 89, go up to maybe 90. It's he's going to be successful either way because the curve is so ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, I'm a little bit more concerned than you are, but I think ultimately he'll probably be okay. And like I said, it's so hard to get really, really good innings out of guys because everyone's all over the place now. So I'm okay with Hill at 32. Pat. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll move to Zach Godley, number 33, 128.43 ADP. What are your thoughts on Godley's breakout and how much does the humidor affect his stock? Pat, how about you You take this one first? Okay. Um, Godley looked really good for most of last year with the combination of grounders at 55-plus percent and whiffs at 9.58 Ks per nine. That's the combination that you look for. You want the whiffs and you want the grounders uh, in today's climate. There's some concern that Godley's uptick in velocity will not stick. Um, there's some backing to that because he lost nearly a tick on average from the first half to the second half. Uh, even though he was throwing his fastball 8% less. He also added more than a run to his ERA from the first half to the second half. I was kind of concerned about this, but now with the humidor coming in, I I think that he's going to be fine. I think he's going to produce at a level not comparable to his full season line, but maybe a half step below as opposed to a full step below. Um, The primary reason that the ERA escalated was an increase in homers allowed, and predictably the hard contact jumped. The humidor will address both those things. Um, so with that, I also expect that Godley's ADP is going to rise. Um, I would not be surprised to see him inside the top 30 by the time drafts roll around in March. So I'm in at this price. I don't know I'm going much higher than this, though. Uh, but I do expect him to rise up boards now. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head, right? We love guys that, especially in this environment, produce ground balls and get whiffs. So, yeah, I I echo pretty much your analysis. Um, I don't know how much higher I'd go than this, um, but I do think that his price might inflate a little bit with the humidor news. Yeah. 
Okay, let's talk about another guy that gets the grounders. Marcus Stroman, 130.52 ADP. Stroman is the poster child for 180 to 200 good innings. But is there upside beyond what he's been? And is this a spot where you begin the shift to those types of pitchers? So I'll take this one since I'm the Stroman guy. Um, so I don't really think there is much in the way of upside. Uh, but he's like a classic fantasy baseball innings eater. Um He's actually slowly turning into a two-pitch pitcher with the sinker-slider combo and mostly ditching the change in the curveball. Um, this alone likely limits his upside. But if you pair if you pair him with the elite strikeout guys or like a Paxson or, or Rich Hill type, then you've got yourself nearly 400 innings of very, very good pitched baseball. Um, so Strowman is just well, like... Wait a second. I don't what? think quite that much. I think it's closer to 300. Unless Strowman's throwing 270 innings. No. You said 400. Okay, so maybe like 350. Yeah, okay. Not 300. That's fair. Like like somewhere around 350. Okay. So, uh, I don't even remember where it was. But so I I think. No, it's it's okay. I I mean, I think he's, he's a roster construction type guy, right? And I mean, it's just so, it's just so hard not to like him to beat his ERA estimators. With a 62% ground ball rate. I mean, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that ground ball rate. That's where you want it to be. Nick, um, I think you're muted. There you go. All right. So I'm going to be – I'm going to be – Shut up. I'm going to be <laughs> – I'm going to be really brief. Um, at this point, I, I kind of comp him to Jacob Odorizzi. Um, what? Just, How? Because he's just an innings eater kind of guy with who lacks K upside. He's talking in, poor, in pure results. I don't agree with him, but that's yeah. what he's talking about. So basically, yeah. And I'm not. What are you betting? What are you drafting Strowman for? You're drafting him for the ERA. It's kind of been up and down year to year. So I don't know why you're so sure that that three point whatever is going to maintain when in 2016 he was 4.37 and if he's 4.37 and he's only got a 7.32 k per nine is he even rosterable because i don't th- i think the 4.37 is the outlier not the three point all right what was so it 3.4 3.09 I mean, okay so my question for you is right would you rather have Marcus Stroman at this price or Dallas Keuchel where he was being taken well i would take Str- um i would take Keuchel Really? Yeah, I think uh, I would take Keuchel too. But I, I'm, just, and I'm not a fan of either at all. Honestly, I would. I don't see myself drafting them in any leagues. But I just think with the lack of K upside and the question mark as far as ERA goes, I just I don't see the reasoning behind taking him here. I'd rather take an upside guy like the next guy. This guy has upside. Jeff Zamorja, thirty fifth starting. 35th starting oh pitcher, 128.27. So Marcia did take a pretty big leap in terms of skills, but the results weren't great. And he's been all over the map all over the map during his career. Do you buy a repeat of 2017? So I'm buying it, but I'm buying it with a lower ERA. So I love Samarja. I never thought I would say those words. I love Samarja. I'm pretty sure we all agreed that he was undraftable last year. You know what? Look, we were fools, Jr. Yeah, we were fools, Jr. <laughs> um, listen. Bottom line is this: uh, the ratio. I mean, eight point eight eight to one point three nine k to walk. That's just that's a beautiful thing. 
Um, if that ERA comes down, I mean, the, 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 the home run rate was just ridiculous at 1.30. If you compare it to his year's past, um, he plays in a good ballpark. If that comes down a little bit, let's just say he's able to bring it to under 1.20. That ERA could easily tick down to a 3.9 ish area, which is livable, especially when you have close to a nine, uh, K per nine. So, I'm all over Samarja. I believe in the Giants voodoo magic. If you don't believe in, if you believe in any pitching coaching staff, you got to believe in the Giants. Look what they've done over the years. I'm all about it. I'm drafting this guy high and proud. I don't know what I expect him to be um, skill wise. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of last year is for real because he's been so all over the map. But I do agree that he's got luck coming back his way. Uh, the 67.5% left on base percentage is very low. The 1.3 homers per nine, as you mentioned, very high in a ballpark like San Francisco, especially for a right-handed pitcher, considering lefty power is almost impossible um, in their home park. Um, I, I think those numbers come down. And if he can keep about 90% of what he did skill-wise last year, He's probably a pitcher that's going to be under four in terms of ERA. He's also a volume guy, uh, kind of like Stroman in that sense. He's hit 200 innings every year since 2013. So if you want to pad some innings, if, if Stroman's not your guy and you want to pair Samarja with a guy like Rich Hill or James Paxton, that can work. Um, another thing to keep in mind with Samarja is, is that you could have avoided a lot of his ERA damage. Um, by avoiding his starts in Colorado, which you probably would have done. If you didn't start him there, you would have taken nearly half a run off his ERA. Oh, wow. He gave up, I believe it was 15 runs in like 11 innings. Um, wow. So you're not starting him there anyway, so you really can knock those off. And then if you took that away, he was like a 4-1-5 ERA guy. Um, all in all, I'm expecting about an 8.25K per nine. With great K to walk ratios, as Nick mentioned, and some improved luck going the other way um, over 200 innings. He's very solid. Okay, let's take a look at the next two guys together. Sonny Gray, 140.84, 36 starting pitcher, and the 37 starting pitcher, Trevor Bauer, 145.64. Gray rebounded. Bauer took a step forward. Who do you prefer among the two? Joe? Uh, Sonny Gray. Yeah, it's, it's, God, I hate to get anyone over Trevor Bauer because I love Trevor Bauer. Uh, but I'm taking Gray and it, it, it's really splitting hairs, but I'm taking him because the Yankee pitching staff is just the greatest ever. And, um, if he builds on anything of what he did last year, he's going to be awesome. Maintain the K rate, lower the ERA and he's money in the bank. Um, I'm taking Gray because 2016 looks like his outlier. Uh, he's been very productive other than that. Um, on another note, I have these two about 15 pitchers apart. Wow. But I don't feel strongly about it, which tells you all you need to know about pitching. The fact that these two can be so close in terms of what I think of them and yet be so far apart in my rankings. You have Trevor Bauer 15 pitchers lower? Yes. We're the Trevor Bauer guys. I know, and I love Trevor Bauer. 
but I just can't trust him. What do you mean? The K's. The K's. Yes, the K's. And the home runs. And... Okay, wait. <laughs> so can I, let, me, let me chime in here a little bit. Sure. Um, Go right ahead. So uh, I'm going to – I saw on Saturday morning Alex Chamberlain and Brad Johnson from Fangraphs uh, discussing Bauer a little bit. Um, and something that they mentioned and they brought to my attention is a tweet, actually, that Bauer had talked about. So um, – Bauer introduced a new cutter last year um, during that second half, which saw those Ks tick up quite a bit. bit. Excuse me. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> whoa uh, <Joey. laughs> my bad, my bad. So, it wasn't actually a slider, and he mentioned that on Twitter, and this is what he said. He said, uh, it was a, a cutter with my thumb moved to the side of the ball instead of the bottom counteracted inertial launch forces for an extra three or four milliseconds to help get the ball down in the zone. Don't bother analyzing it. That that pitch is dead. So yeah. Nerd. We, so, so yeah, we all love him because he's a smart guy and he's really into the analytics of pitching. And this pitch had great success, but if he's saying it's dead, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know if we can trust him. How many other starting pitchers at this point can give you close to 10 Ks per nine? There's really not many. Um, there really isn't. And he's he's lowered the ERA every year since 2015 in a pretty big fashion. It went from 4.55 to 4.26 to 4.19. So if he maintains the K rate and that ERA gets just a little bit lower. Wait, I, I just outlined why I don't think he'll keep that K rate. No, no, no. I, I, I understand that. But it's it's a but maybe. if he does, it's you know, maybe, he could it's be really good. Oh, my God. Let's move on. <laughs> that make me All right, Nick. Yeah. You were lukewarm on Sonny Gray last year, and you owe him an apology. No, I don't. <laughs> he, gave, he gave a lukewarm return. All right. So I was right. Yeah. Thank you. No, that's incorrect. But <laughs> all right, so after seeing the K's tick up last year, you're more interested, right? Obviously, because you said that you would take Gray. Yeah, Yankee pitching staff, of course. Okay. Homer. All right, and Joe, I just want to confirm. So you're on board with me. You think that Bauer's inconsistent as he's ever been, and you're not taking last year as the new norm. Correct. Okay. All right, let's move to Lance McCullers. 148.3, 38th overall starting pitcher. Over-under on innings, 120. And do you think McCullers could join that Rich Hill, James Paxton type class? So I'm definitely taking the over on the innings. Uh, he got to over 130 with the postseason both this past year and in 2015. So definitely over on the innings. Um, McCullers is essentially a tale of two halves. Uh, the first half prior to the back injury, he said he had a great feel for his changeup. He was elite in uh, K percentage at 28% and cruised to a 3.05 ERA. Then the second half came and everything fell apart. We know McCullers has excellent strikeout stuff and he can limit home run damage with over a 60% ground ball rate, which has improved every year in the bigs. Um, all told, if he comes into spring training and he works on the changeup and he says he's got a good feel for it, um, we're looking at pretty much the Hill and Paxton type. 
Um, it's not like we haven't seen him do it already when he had a 3-2-2 ERA coming into last year for his career. So at this price, I'm in, and I think I'm even a bit higher as if he can put it all together. I mean, we're looking at like a top 15 arm if he gets the innings. Yeah, I've got him higher than this as well. I'm over on the innings, but just over. Um, and he could definitely join that class of pitchers. Uh, as Joe mentioned, he's got that profile that I talked about with Godley where you got the grounders and the whiffs. Um, that's what you want. Um, last year, it didn't work so well. He had Babbitt issues. Babbitt was 330, and he had a career low strand rate of 67%, uh, down about 6% from his career average and 8% below his previous career low. Um, the Babbitt issues may remain. I don't think they'll be quite that bad, uh, but he doesn't get a lot of infield flies, and as a ground baller, he's going to be subject to a higher Babbitt. Uh, I don't think it'll be at a 330 level, but I think it'll be above uh, 300, probably right around 315. Um, but yeah, I, I, overall, I think he's he's one of these players that has a significant upside at this kind of price. And, you know, Nick just mentioned with Bauer. I mean, how many guys can give you 10K per nine? Here's one. Okay, let's move it to uh, Johnny Cueto, 39th SP, 153 ADP. Nothing went right for Cueto last year. Can he return to form, or are his best days behind him? Watch him in spring training. If we see the velo go up at all, then I'm interested. If not, then I'm not. Um, the, the fastball is two miles per hour slower than it was two years ago. The sinker is way low, and that used to be a second pitch, second and third pitch, and it gets it's been getting absolutely battered. Last year, the league batted 364 against it. Um, as of right now, I have zero interest in Cueto because there's nothing, there's no real evidence showing that last year was fluky or anything like that. It's been a pretty swift decline, uh, as far as Velo goes over the last couple of years. So, um, it's maybe he did something in the off season where he got healthy and who knows, but it's a guy to watch in spring training. If there's any sign of him being in shape and the Velo being up, then I'm interested. If not, then I'm staying away. Uh, I agree with you that I'm concerned. Um, I disagree with you that there's no reason. I think the reason is the blisters. Uh, Cueto had blisters all over his hands all year, and he explicitly mentioned last year that he felt the difference in the balls uh, was the reason for the blisters. Um, I don't actually think it's a skill decline as it's much of just him having discomfort while pitching. Um, with that said, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm out with you. So for different reasons, but we're both out. Okay. Let's move it to another veteran pitcher, Gio Gonzalez, 154.21. The market is not expecting a repeat of last year, but are they still expecting too much? What percentage chance do you give him that he returns value at this price? I feel like every year I hate Gio Gonzalez and Pat, you're like in the back lurking, like John Lovitz and wedding singer behind the curtain. So why don't you? I certainly start- was last year. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with Gio? Listen, last year when he was going around the 80th overall starting pitcher, I was all over Gio. I thought that he was completely underpriced. This year, it's a different story. Um, I do give the market credit because I thought he was going to be even higher than this off of last year's results, um, but I still think he's going too high now. Unlike in 2016, his velocity never came around in 2017. In fact, it just got worse, and it was below 90 by the end of the year. 
Um, some grounders shifted towards flies. He walked a few more guys. Um, but the two big things underlying his unlucky 2016 and what I would consider his lucky 2017 were shifts in BABIP and strand rate. Um, chances are Geo is probably going to be right around what his FIP says he is the last two seasons, which is right around a 3.8 ERA. Um, he's probably going to be underrated by some in the industry. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up as a top 60 starting pitcher, but that's 20 spots below this. Um, as far as his percentage chance of ending up returning value at this price, I put it at about 12%. Yeah. So look, I've never been a geo guy, um, but Last year, a lot of things worked for him. The curveball was awesome. The curveball, the curveball was 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 awesome. And once again, he provided decent ratios and a solid K per nine. But the ERA is so inconsistent year to year. You just, I never know where to place him as far as ADP goes. You, you said this last year too, and I completely I, disagree with that. No, what do you mean? He has well, been pretty consistent in terms well, of his results. In 2016, he had a 4.57 Okay, ERA. and that's his only year where it's like bad. Well, no, what I'm saying is, all right, so he had a 4.57 that year, right? The year before yeah. he had th- 3.79. Uh, okay. Then, like the year before that, three mid threes, mid threes, low twos, back to threes. It's okay, just so yeah, it's good. It's all good except for the one year. It's all good except for the one year and the swift decline in velo. And yeah, like, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying you said that last year, and I just disagree with that. The guy has been a very productive major league pitcher on the regular. That's fine, but if he. Is now if he so the, the the walk rate went up. So let's say he maintains this uh, unhealthy walk rate, and he has that that and that velo declines any more than it is. You could see a guy. You could see Geo this year turn in like a another four point something zero ERA. Yeah, type and he'll game. actually deserve it this time. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I completely agree. There is significant downside here. There's not a lot of upside. Um, he's he's a guy that's walking a very fine line. Unless, you know, he's pitching in spring training and he's back up to, you know, 91, 92. Um, but even then, I don't, I wouldn't draft him at this price. No. Yeah, this, this is a bad price. Yeah. And I expected it to be worse, <laughs> frankly. So, you know, it's, it's not a great price, but it, I thought it was going to be much worse. Okay, 41st, Danny Salazar, 164.64. Uh, I didn't mention it up top but he's apparently a couple of weeks behind the other Indians pitchers. With that news, where do you feel comfortable with him among starting pitchers? Top 50, top 60, 70? I feel comfortable with him a lot higher than this. I'll tell you that right now. Um, okay, where do you, yeah, where do you have, have him? him? I have him closer to like the 35-ish area. Okay. That's pretty bold. What about you, Joe? I have him at 47. I mean, it's... I, I have him closest probably at the moment to 70. Wow. We're, wow. we're, we're a ways away. Yeah. We're all, we're all over the place. Well, so listen, Joe... Go ahead, Joe. Okay. Well, so, I mean, there's so much to like, but, um, I mean, 
the fact that he's already starting off slow, that hurts, right? That leads me closer to the 70 overall pitcher. But even if he gets like 100 innings, it's like top five strikeout potential at, yep. on a rate basis. Yep. So uh, that's why I'm kind of okay with him at like 47, right? The strikeouts, even in 100 innings, are are worth it. I mean, he's a couple of weeks behind with right rotator cuff inflammation. Not good. That's bad, people. Yeah, that's bad. That's that's not like he's behind with the flu or Brian Dozier had kidney stones. This is his pitching arm, and he's already got inflammation in his right shoulder. In the and he hasn't even thrown a pitch. <laughs> yeah, like how does that happen in the offseason? What is he doing? This is really bad. But if he pitches, he'd be really good. Yeah, we've been saying this about this guy for years. Well, well, right, I'm gonna let you. Hold finish. on, wait a second. Yeah, let me. Let, can I finish? Can I finish? Yeah. Okay, I'm finished. I'm not finished. Go. <laughs> year to year, month to month, Salazar has been extremely inconsistent. I, I had him further down before this news. Um, he's settled in now, right around as I said, SP seventy. Uh, Last year, they showed their first willingness to move him to the bullpen with Carrasco, Kluber, and Bauer entrenched, up and coming, Mike Clevenger, and Josh Tomlin, who is not a very good pitcher, but he's a Terry Francona fave. Um, I wonder if this is going to be the final nail in the coffin and Salazar moves to the bullpen. If that does occur, I expect his price to drop to around where I have him. And at that price, I'm all over him as a reliever. I think he will be a fantastic multi-inning reliever. Uh, he showed it last year in a very small stint, but I think he could be in line with what Chris Davinsky gives you with probably a little more K upside. Um, that's where I'm interested in Salazar. I'm not so much interested in him as a starting pitcher. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of briefly chime in, and I'm gonna say this: that he turned in a hundred plus innings the last three years, and while a hundred innings isn't what you want from a pitcher, in 2016 and 2015 he turned in 130 plus, which to us is kind of that magic number. Um, if he turns in, let's just say, let's put it in the middle of both those years. Let's say he gives you 150 innings pitched, and he maintains this K rate. Wait, 150? Yeah, let's say he gives you 150. He gave he gave you 130 in 2016, 185 in 2015, 100 last year. Let's just say he's able to churn in 150 innings. I mean, in 150 innings, yeah. Then we're talking about, like, he's returning a lot of value. Exactly. And anything more than 150, then it's all, then it's all, it's all friggin' gravy. But he's already hurt. Yeah, I, I, I think, know, I, I think like, 150 is, like, 95th percentile. Listen, my my point is like, this: pretty much, all, damn near impossible. In, in a nutshell, we all agree that his stuff is ridiculously filthy, right? And the stuff is there. If in let's just say mid spring training, towards the end of spring training, he comes in, he feels healthy, he's throwing the ball. Does he move up on any of your ADPs if he's back healthy? Yeah, but I don't think I would push him higher than high forties. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't go much higher. 12.67K per nine. You can't argue with that upside. You can't fight that upside. It's just too damn sweet. All right, John Gray, 42nd. 
165.07 ADP. And for those that couldn't hear me over Nick's laughter, 165.07 It wasn't laughter. I was salivating. Has John Gray done enough to resolve any reservations about cores? Does he rank higher or lower for you than this price? Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, look. He, I have him so much higher than his ADP. It is stupid. Forget cores. Look at the stuff. Look at the talent. The guy's stuff is absolutely ridiculous off the charts. Let's the key- tell the so- audience where you have him. Yeah, where do you have him? I have him at 25 overall. Pat, where do wow. you have him? I've got him. Excuse me. I, I have him in about 35 overall. Oh, wow. You're I'm, right, I'm right in between you guys. I have him at nice. 31. All right. So there's going to be a lot of love going on right now then. So Pat, Joe? Nick. No, Nick. Do you, right. you want to add anything? I, I, I have to add some stuff here. All right. Yeah. So chorus pitchers have obviously gotten like the most hate over the years. But we've seen some, some guys uh, uh, pitch well. And one of those guys is John Gray. I mean, you look at what he's done over the last couple of years. While healthy, he's been very successful. Um, last year, coming off an injury, he posted a pretty decent season, and he did it in both halves. Uh, of course, the first half was shortened because of the foot injury, but once he came back from it, the lead batted 268 against him, 3.75 ERA. Second half, 3.65. The lead batted 362. So both halves are pretty identical. Consistent pitching is the best pitching. Um, you match that with a good K rate. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. There is nothing to not like about John Gray. The pitch mix is awesome. His breaking stuff is off the charts. He's still young in a full season. He's a guy who I think, and correct me and jump in right now. If you think I'm wrong, I think he could easily get to that 10 K per nine mark. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? No, I agree with that. He's got healthy stuff. Okay, yeah, I, so I so I – and listen, last year was kind of a fluky injury, but let's just say he turns in a full season this year. I have him projected. You're so optimistic. Along with giving everybody 10 stolen bases, <laughs> you're giving everybody 150 innings. Well, listen, basically I have Nick, him – you're like Steamer 600, man. You just give everybody full playing time. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I, I have John Gray projected for – uh, 10.05 K per nine, a 3.50 uh, ERA, and just watch his slider and tell me I'm wrong. That's all. That's all I have to say. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in a little bit more. Um, so Gray took a little bit of an interesting approach last year as he pitched more to contact, um, and he tried to limit that damage with ground balls as opposed to striking everyone out. Uh, the good thing is is that he still managed to keep that K per nine above nine and. Like, we all agree he's got K per nine upside. Um, even with below average whiff rates and below average chase rates. So I think he just had a little bit of an off year. Um, if, he combine, if he can combine his real strikeout potential with this new ground ball approach, I mean, dude. Yeah. That, that's, that's why I have him ranked so high. Grounders and Ks, man. Grounders and Ks. So, so yeah. It's all about I, 5%. I have him at 31. I'm not afraid of cores at all. And I think this could be really good value. Yeah, when you're the low man on the pod and you still like the guy and you like the price, that should tell you guys, the listeners, that you need to get on him at this price. 
Okay, let's move it to Chase Anderson, 43rd SP, 172.41. And we're going to look at him and Charlie Morton, the 44th, with 175.66. That's his ADP. Both Morton and Anderson took a while to figure it out and break through. There's some skepticism, which is apparent in their price. Who is more likely to repeat their breakout? Joe, you're the Astro guy. Go. Uh, Morton. Yeah, I agree. It's Morton as well. Morton. He's got that profile. Whiffs and grounders. Okay. With Anderson's fly ball tendencies, Joe, do you worry about the homers coming back? Yeah, so there were some uh, definite mechanical changes with Anderson that led to a bit of a fastball VLO increase. He changed his horizontal arm slot 8 inches from the previous year and almost 11 inches from two years ago. Um, so I, I don't actually think the introduction of the cutter has as much to do with it with this his success as the VLO does, um, as that cutter is rated as pretty below average in generating whiffs and only produces ground balls 42% of the time. So it's really not a particularly special pitch. Um, so Yeah, but it is a third pitch. It is, it is. With that said, it's to answer your question, it's hard not to be worried. As previously in his career, he didn't do a particularly spectacular job of suppressing home runs like he did last year. Um, he was 5% below average last year in homers per fly ball anyway. And the fly balls plus the ballpark, even if he keeps that VLO, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I agree. I've always liked Chase Anderson because he's got um, just a completely filthy changeup. Um, he's never had the VLO that he had last year. Uh, I, I am encouraged by the fact that he did change uh, his arm slot to add the VLO because that's a that's a discernible change. So that makes it probably more repeatable um, than in other cases. But I like Joe. I'm skeptical. That ballpark is very dangerous um, in terms of giving up homers. I, I think he's much more of like a high threes ERA guy than he is uh, what the results were last year. Would you agree with that, Joe? Or do you have him even higher than that? Uh, I have him at an even higher ERA. I'm at okay. like 4-2. Okay. All right. And Nick, does the Astros rotation depth scare you off Charlie Morton. Yeah, Morton's somehow just getting better somehow as like time goes on. I don't get it. He's 34 years old, but he turned in his probably his best professional year. And I'm buying the stuff. Uh, I think the key rate, I don't think it'll maintain uh, or excel above 10, but I definitely think it'll be between 9 and 10. Uh, he doesn't walk many guys. And another guy who induces ground balls. I, I, I'm, I'm in it to win it with Morton this year, and I love the price. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, I owned Morton last year. I think that he's um, a pitcher that has shown that he has the velocity um, and has the arsenal to be able to succeed uh, at the level that he succeeded at. It, it's always been a matter of just putting the, putting the pieces together. Um, and last year, I mean, he, he managed to harness – what was always a, a very elite ground ball rate and pair it with the whiffs and the whiffs look pretty sustainable to me. I mean, Joe, unless you disagree. Nope. Um, so you're on board too. Okay. So Charlie Morton's a guy we're on. Oh yeah. All right. So let's move to 45th Garrett Richards, 176.84 ADP. He might be the biggest wild card on the board. Do you think the angels six man rotation 
can keep him healthy. And if it does, what do you project for Richards? Man, you know, I, I said this last year. Um, I went to a Yankee. I went to a Yankee game in like I don't know 2012, and there was this. They were playing the Angels, and there was a guy on the mound just like throwing pure filth. And I'm I, I was with my friend Chris, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And he was like, "Oh, it's Garrett Richards." And I was like, "Oh, okay, this guy is absolutely filthy." Um, he's a filth ball. And since then he's been great in limited time. It's just that he's so friggin' injury prone by now. It's ridiculous. Uh, obviously the big question is, can he stay healthy? And you just asked it. I don't think he can at this point. He hasn't thrown over to, uh, or even close to 200 innings in quite some time, but you know what? If he gets you the magic number one thirty, you're going to see a big return. The ERA will be good. The K rate will be good. The walk rate will be good. So, at this point, I'm kind of with the pick. If you have the roster that can um, take the shot on somebody who is extremely injury prone, but if you have a lot of risk in your rotation, then this is a guy you want to stay very far away from. I should have assigned this one to Joe because I can't be reasonable about Garrett Richards. <laughs> Why, just, Joe? Do you not like Aaron? I just can't. No, I, it has nothing to do with whether or not Joe is with him. It's just I can't be reasonable. Whiffs and grounders and velo. These are the ingredients of what I want in a pitcher. He's got the plus velo, a 54% ground ball rate into the teeth of a defense that has two gold glove caliber shortstops in Zach Cozart and Angelton Simmons. He's got elite contact management skills, a 24% soft contact rate last year. And yes, those numbers are from a very small sample. Yes, he's pitched a combined 62 innings the last two years. And yeah, he's a risk at this price. But in the six-man rotation, I think that that might help him reach that 130 threshold. He looked strong in his September innings and made it through the month clean without an issue. I'm a believer. I love the talent. Mark me down for 125 innings, 3-2 ERA, 8.5K per 9. That's fucking smoking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Wait, projection. <laughs> no, the projections aren't bad. The the number of what innings. Mean three two. That's like the most believable part of that projection. I know, you're probably yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> no, I you were gonna K- laugh about the innings. And the case, yeah. yeah, the innings is what the issue is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, forty sixth, Danny Duffy, one eighty three point two seven. What's the biggest concern for you? The elbow, the team, or the drop in K rate? So and even uh, so, Joe. My bad. Is he a value at this price? Uh, yeah. So we did a little bit of talking offline. Um, I I guess it's the elbow. Um, as far as the biggest concern, after doing some digging on Duffy, though, um, I th- think uh, an issue that might have occurred to him last year is actually the reverse Luke Weaver treatment, and that he didn't steal uh, a lot of strikes, and he didn't steal strikes as well as he did the year before. So despite being in the zone more often and his whiff rate only decreasing by 1%, his K percentage dropped by over 4%. So um, I did a little bit of correlating. And so while they're not completely linearly correlated, 
Uh, last year among qualified pitchers, the, the correlation between riff rate and K percentage was 0.75. So pretty darn strong. So what does all this math mean? Essentially, you'd expect Duffy's K percentage to drop 1% to 2% and not 4 to 5% like it did. Um, despite the, K, the, the whiff rate only decreasing by 1%. So also unsurprisingly with this hypothesis is that his walk rate went up. So I don't think there's really anything wrong with Duffy considering he gets the innings and he pitches. Um, and even in a down year, quote unquote, he was still pretty darn good. So I'm really in at this price. Yeah, I'm in at this price too. For whatever reason, like I thought he was much worse than he was last year. Um, and and I think the big concern is the elbow, but I'm not even terribly worried about that. Uh, you know, he came back from a DL stint last year. He was productive um, in terms of his skills. He was actually better skills-wise in the second half than he was in the first half, despite producing better results in the first half. Um, and yeah, me and Joe talked this through, and that was the analysis that we came up with, which was uh, this is a pitcher that probably got unlucky in terms of um, called strikes. And he's he's not he's not going to be any sort of you know top 20 starting pitcher in, in my opinion at least. But he's definitely a guy that can put together eight and a half K per nine with like a three and a half ERA. And if you're worried about the team context, I wouldn't worry about that either because there's a pretty good shot that come the trade deadline, this is a guy that they'll chop and he could end up on a good team in the second half. So even if you're worried about wins and chasing wins, which we advise you don't do, um, he might only be on Kansas City for you know half the season or even less. Um, so I'm on board with this price. I think he's a top 35 starting pitcher going at a top 45 price. Okay, let's move it to Drew Pomerantz, 184.03. Uh, he proved that 2016 was not a fluke, but the market remains skeptical. Is this a buying opportunity? Of course it is. It's always a buying opportunity when it comes to Drew Pomerantz. We say it year after year. Um, I think that the, the issue with Pomerantz in the past is that, like, I don't know, maybe people think that thought that he couldn't be stretched out as a starter. He was constantly shifting in and out of the starting rotation into the bullpen. But now I think the leash is pretty long in Boston. They don't have much depth in the pitching rotation. I think he's firmly in that, like, what was that, Joe? Good point. Yeah, it is a yeah, good point. I, I think he's firmly in that, like, number three, number four starter spot. Um and I don't see why he wouldn't be. I mean, the guy has posted sub four ERAs the last three years in a row. He's his K rate is maintaining nine plus every year. Uh, the walk rate went, walk rate went up a little bit, but I mean, he's given up a lot less home runs. So, with a fastball that's right now the league is batting just last year the league batted just two twenty four against as his primary pitch, and a good curve, a good sinker, a pretty decent cutter as his fourth pitch. I really like Pomeranz, and I think there's some some room to grow. I'd like to see him throw the cutter a little more because I think we all love the cutter on this pod. He's still at just 29 years old, and I think there's some upside here as far as the K rate goes. I think it could tick up closer to 10. And if he gets close to the 10 mark and maintains the sub-3-5 ERA, I mean, 
This is like a sick return. It's a sick return if he stays as is. So this is like a no-brainer for me. I, I, I love the Palm. Always love the Palm. Yeah, so I, I actually... I think I was the low guy on him last year. Um, I was pretty much a non-believer, and I'll take the hit for that, but I don't really know what I was smoking. Um, and I, I do think, Nick, that you kind of harped on this a little bit, that it's like really the fastball curveball. He's like really a fastball curveball guy. Um, yeah. You know, he mixed in the cutter, but it's barely, right? So Yeah, it's a show me. And, and, and both of those pitchers don't generate a lot of whiffs. Um, which is kind of a concern. But over the past two years, his curveball has generated ground balls at 62.4%, which is crazy good. So that'll do the trick to keep your ERA nice and low, um, even if his fastball doesn't have that same sort of magic. So it's it's easy to be skeptical because of the whiffs, but it's hard to argue with three full seasons of, of similar results and success. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Doesn't the curve generate more called strikes um, than most other pitches. That I honestly don't know. I, I think it does. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, so I, I even then, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the K... And, and even, if it, even if that isn't true, I mean, the K rate has been pretty consistent two years in a row. So whatever he's doing, I think that we... I think we can safely say he's at minimum an eight and a half K per nine guy. Oh, yeah. And and having said that, like, why would anyone take Geo over at that spot over Palm here? Yeah, okay. I don't understand it either. I'm completely baffled by Pomerantz being available at this point. So I'm gonna harp on on someone I I already mentioned already. But would you rather have Drew Pomerantz at 184 or Dallas Keuchel? Oh, that this is Pomerantz. Hmm. I don't know. Keiko's got the, the upside, but he doesn't have the K yeah, upside. Yeah, Keiko what, has what, the upside. But what upside? ERA upside? Yeah, that's, yes. that's what I'm saying. What do you mean? Like, all right, so if I don't, if the I Palm, just don't really feel that confident that Keiko's going to continue to do it. I mean, I yeah, expressed that already. What's what's Keiko's ERA upside? Two five zero? Ah, uh, no, I don't think it's that low anymore. Like two nine probably. All right, so all right, so if it's two nine, Pomeranz has maintained three point three two the last two that's years. What, in a that's row. what I'm saying. That's a much higher carry. That's what I'm saying. I'd much rather have two Pomeranz. Of course, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a no brainer. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I can't Pat, say I agree sway, with Pat. that. Sway Pat. No, no way. I'm not swaying. Not swaying. Kai <laughs> go in front of Pomeranz. Sway, I'm a big, I'm a big Pomeranz guy, but not that, not, not to that extent. I'm, I must be the high sway. guy on the podcast on Keiko, and that's fine. I'm more than willing to be the high guy on Keiko. Um, okay, Drew, uh, not Drew Pomeranz. Let's move to Dylan Bundy, 48th starting pitcher, 188.43. Do you think this is the year Bundy takes the leap, or is he destined to be more hype than actual results? Oh man, I love Al Bundy. You gotta love Al Bundy. Um, I don't. I don't think. I, I'm pretty sure you guys are the Dylan Bundy haters crew. Is this true or untrue? That is completely false. I yeah. I said I said Dylan Bundy was gonna be a top 25 starting pitcher last year. Did you? Yeah, it was one of my bold predictions. I love Dylan Bundy. All right. Well, then you start if you're so high. I'm go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at Bundy's season in parts. You can see that there were three months where he threw a slider 25% or more. 
and then three months where it was around 17%. In the three months where he threw the pitch 25% of the time, he had a 3.66 ERA, a 9K per nine. The three months where he was at 17%, you can see where this is going, 7.17K per nine and an ERA over five. At 25, if he can keep the feel for the slider, I think he could be special even in that ballpark. I think he's still finding his way. I think this year he takes a step, and then next year is the year that he enters the land of number two starters. Oh, so next year. I think next year is the year. But Um, as the 48th pitcher off the board, I do like him because I think that there is top 30 upside here. All right, so – I am completely buying in, going all in, whatever you want to call it at this price on this kid. Um, like like Pat said, uh, the breaking stuff works really well for him, but um, that's not saying enough. His breaking stuff is absolutely ridiculous. The slider and the curve are off the charts. Um, and I think the K rate has a huge, huge, huge high ceiling uh, that he could reach going into 2018 where it could go from 8.06 to like a nine point something, something. Uh, and if he does that with those ratios, he doesn't really walk guys. You, you could see a very, very, very special pitcher. I think the home run rate could come down as well. 1.38, 1.48, 2016, 2015. I absolutely love the kid. love the stuff. He's still really young, 25 years old. I'm buying in fully at this point. All right, let's move to Michael Fulmer, 49th starting pitcher, 189.18. The K's haven't been there for Fulmer. Is there any reason to believe they're coming? And does he need the K rate to rise considering his team context? So, yeah, Fulmer's a walking anomaly. As a secondary stuff, mainly his changeup and slider aren't bad pitches at all, and they generate their fair share of whiffs in the high teens and low low 20s-ish range. So that should be plenty to generate a season whiff rate larger than 9.4%. And even at 9.4%, you'd expect his case to be higher than a measly 6.23K per nine. So yeah, I think there's still strikeout upside in Fulmer's game. Um, there is a big red flag, and that's tied to his changeup. In the second half, where things fell apart, his changeup stopped dropping as much as what uh, is what you'd like. And both his ERA and strikeout rates declined. So ultimately, I think there's K upside that's still left to be unlocked. Um, But with that said, I don't feel confident projecting it because um, it just hasn't hasn't happened yet. Um, So I don't really know how I feel about this pick overall. Okay. So with respect to the issues with the changeup, Joe, do you think that it could be tied to the injury? It could, certainly. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Fulmer had the same surgery that Jacob deGrom had. Um, that's ulnar, ulnar nerve transposition surgery. Good job, Pat. And deGrom came back 100%. Uh, his velocity was back up. Um Steven Matz is having the same, had the same procedure this off season. I, I think that Fulmer's health is going to be just fine. Um, I completely agree with Joe, the stuff, the swing strike rate, both say the K percentage should be higher. Um, he's got three good pitches and good velocity. And as I said, I think the velocity 
uh, will at minimum maintain based upon uh, the procedure that he had. So I think he could be an eight, eight or nine guy and still keep a plus ground ball rate. Um, I'm willing to buy at this price based upon that, even with the team context. I think Fulmer's going to figure it out, and I think the surgery could be a big part of it, um, given the fact that DeGrom took such a step forward skills-wise. Um, basically, the injury is, is that the bone is kind of pressing against the nerve in the elbow, um, and it, it just kind of it, – it's not taking anything out. It's just kind of shifting things around. And if the irritation stops, I think that Fulmer could take a step forward. Okay, 50th overall, Jamison Tyone, uh, 189.96. Tyone suffered through health issues and professional adversity, personal adversity last year, I should say. Uh, can Tyone return to his 2016 form? So uh, this is a guy, another guy that I have way, 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 way ahead of his ADP. I absolutely love Tyon, and I, act, I kind of com comp him to uh, Luke Weaver in a couple of ways. Um, he's got really, really, really good command, really good breaking stuff, and obviously last year was yeah, – you, you could call it a fluke injury. But um, going into 2018 healthy, I just think sky's the limit for this kid. The curveball is absolutely off the charts. What I would love to see for him is to make his four-seamer his primary pitch and kind of drop the sinker. It just hasn't. So? I, I, that's what I would, I like, I'd like to see him go four-seam curve changeup. Hmm. I mean, that's the combo I would like to see. Because um, the four-seamer comes in at 95. The sinker hasn't worked from, for him so far in the majors. And the curve is absolutely, I think it's his best pitch. Um, and if he has some sort of a pitch mix change this year, he could be really, really special, uh, especially how accurate and how good the command is on this kid. Uh, I have him way, way, way higher than his ADP. I'm all over him. Love him. So uh, I guess the first question is, where do you have him? I have him at 37 overall. 37. Okay, I'm not as high as you. I'm higher than 50. I'm at 46. Um, but I have a bit of a tougher time projecting his strikeout rates um, just because – both the curve and the changeup is secondary stuff. Hasn't generated whiffs like you'd really want to see. I mean, his whiff rate was only 8.2%, which is below average, actually. Um, with that said, I, I kind of agree with you. I think I think he's got some K upside. And definitely, definitely, he's just, I think he's a really safe bet to be in like the three and a half ERA range um, because he generates a lot of ground balls. And even though, um, even though the sinker isn't, um, maybe not as fast as his fastball. His sinker's still pretty damn fast. Um, so I do expect a rebound, um, but within reason, again, because I'm just not sure I can totally project um, a huge increase in, in K gains. Okay, let's move to Urban Santana, the 51st overall starting pitcher, 202.11. This ADP obviously bakes in some time where he was not uh, injured, uh, so it doesn't accurately reflect his price right now. So let's try and get an idea on where he's supposed to go. Nick, do you think he's SP80, SP90, SP100? Where SP, do you have him? SP1000. Uh, I, <laughs> I have him in the SP1000 area. Wow. No, no, really. It's it's as I'm around SP90. 
Yeah, yeah, so yeah, ninety, yeah, yeah, and you know he becomes interesting. I think in the league, and and I think we would advise this. This is a conversation we haven't had. Is given that last year was such a mess with DL slots, we highly recommend that you revisit your DL situation in your league, um, and can definitely consider adding slots. Um, but provided you have the capability of stashing a guy, he's not a bad DL stash around the 90th starting pitcher. Um, okay, 52nd, Kenta Maeda, 202.91. Maeda displayed good skills similar to 2016. Are you over or under 130 innings for this year? Over or under a four ERA? I'm over the innings, under the ERA. Uh, over the innings, under the ERA. Ooh. All right, that's a clean sleep. Slightly over on the innings and under on the ERA. Pat, you want to take this first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think Maida can be very productive. He's going to pitch to about a 9K per 9. He's got the swing strikes to back that up at over 12%. Um, and he might even have a little more upside there in terms of his K rate. The Dodgers are going to shelter him, though, um, which will keep him productive when he's in there, but caps his upside. Uh, Interesting stat for those of you in quality starts leagues. Despite making 25 starts last year, Maida made just five quality starts. Yeah. Um, He was five innings and out in most cases. Um, So he'll help the ratios, kick in some Ks, but he's much more of a back-end arm with a fairly low ceiling in my mind. Yeah, that's his career, his major league career now, right? The the limiting on the the quality starts. Um, just to just to add a bit, um, he got a velo boost from getting all that rest last year, which uh, has me intrigued, and I think that's why he can keep um, some of those those K gains he got. Um, really, we're talking about another one of those hundred thirty inning darlings that we've we've you know that Nick has mentioned a bunch in this this pod that that's like, that's where we, that's a sweet spot. And so um, I don't think he has quite the K upside like Rich Hill or James Faxon, obviously, but at 202, I mean, this can be a really good 130 innings. Except Nick is going to chime in now and be like, yeah, but imagine he keeps the K rate and his ERA drops like three points and then he gets to 170 innings. No. Sure. <laughs> Is that what you were going to say? Love, no, I love Maida. I just tweeted about him. Like I said in the tweet, the, the K per nine went up last year. The base on ball went down. The velo went up. I mean, what's not like to, not to like? This is awesome ADP. And the leash is a lot longer, I think, now. You've got Hyunjin Ryu penciled in as probably the fifth starter. You've got injury-prone Rich Hill. You've got newly kind of injury-prone Clayton Kershaw. I think he I think he sees the innings this year, and he turns in a sub-4 ERA, a, a really sweet whip, and another good K per nine walk rate. Uh, oh I love Maida. Help me out. Who's the, who's the pitching prospect? I can't remember his name. Walker Bueller. No, no, the other one. Brock Stewart. Yeah, but that's Julio fine. Julio Yarius. That's fine. Yarius, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yarius could come up, but he'll, he'll get the five spot. Is he, he's not hurt, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, Yarius. He's not, but he'll, I think he's going to be back by like July. Like, and by back, I mean potentially major league ready by July. 
Okay. Wait, so Nick, you don't think like all these gains are because Meta was babied? No, I told you already. Nick thinks he's going to throw 170 innings with 9.5K for 9. Is he already going to come down 0.3? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I love you, Nick. <laughs> so annoying. Go. Right, 53rd starting pitcher, Kevin Gossman. 204.1. Oh, the gas man. Yes, the gas man. The gas man can. Is this the year that Gosman puts it all together for a full year? Would you rather have him at his price or Bundy? Oh, well, it's definitely Bundy. Um, but well, that's, you know what? This is actually good because Joe, I don't think, got to give like a quick take on Bundy. So why don't we let Joe give a quick take on Bundy? Go, Joe. And then we can get to Gosman. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like Bundy too. That's it. That's all. That's my quick take. I have him okay. at 45. I like him. Uh, that's a little bit better than. Yeah, a little bit better than where he's being taken. But yeah, I like the upside. Okay. All right, so let's talk about Gossman. Go! All right, All right so Gaussman. Um, I've I've kind of liked Gaussman year to year, and he has obviously been a complete up-and-down player and pretty much a bad player year to year. I hate to admit it. Um, but last year he looked kind of good, and certain things worked for him. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen a splitter in in person, but it's an absolutely filthy pitch. I'd love to see him throw it a little bit more. He did that last year, and it definitely worked from the league batted just 203 against and against it, and it induced a swinging strike rate, uh, thus improving his K per nine. I kind of like the kid a lot. He's still young. He's got a nice pitch mix. I can see him mess with it a little bit more. I like to see him throw the change up. I like to see him throw the slider more, throw the four-seamer less. It's, it gets battered. Um, if he does that, we could see a big improvement on all sides of Gaspin. I like I like it. I'm all over it. But I'd rather have Dylan because Dylan is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'd rather have Bundy too. But uh, as far as Gaspin goes, right, um, it's been pretty well documented that um, he changed his slider release point uh, the second half and it increased his, uh, his success a lot. Um, with that change came some ace-level stuff from Gaspin. So um, we've seen flashes of the potential. The problem really is, is that his fastball got walloped for pretty much most of the year. Yeah. And it had the largest ISO against. Stop throwing it. Yeah, he's just a bad fastball guy. Stop yeah. throwing it. Yeah, yeah. It's like and in the second half fun. last year, he also started throwing his splitter more again, right? Yeah. But in the second half, his homer to fly ball percentage went up. So, um he did throw. He he did generate more ground balls as well, so it didn't hurt him as much. That's that's why he had that success. But since he's been like all over the place, and it was only a half, I think that ultimately that's why I like Bundy better. With that said, at two hundred four, Gaussman's got like he's shown ace level stuff, so he's worth a flyer for sure. All right, let's move to the fifty four starting pitcher, Denilson Lamette. 210.91. Lamette has swing and, swing and miss stuff. That can't be denied. But do you think he has both the command and the pitches to become a value at this selection? You know, I couldn't wait to poop on this guy because <laughs> one of our dear friends is keeping him um, in our in our keeper league. Uh, okay. so I'm, I'm still gonna poop on him. Yeah, yeah he's I'm, easy to poop on. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna poop on. I must poop on him. <laughs> I have to poop on him just a little bit. Um, all right. So yeah, the command is an absolutely huge 
huge problem. I don't see that work rate going down at all. If you watched this guy last year, he's a guy that looks like Dylan Batantis in a lot of situations. He completely loses it, cannot throw a strike, and I don't see any sign of that improving, uh, which leads me to believe that his ERA could very well go over five next year. And once in a while, he'll get the Ks. The K rate's going to be there. That's fine. But if you have a four, two, five or more walk rate, it doesn't really matter if you could strike out 10 or 11 per. Um, I just don't like the guy. Uh, He gives up a ton of home runs. He there's a a lot not to like, and we could see the floor fall out and him like fall to the center of the earth. There is a real floor here with this guy. Yeah, he definitely has swing and miss stuff. The 10 plus caper nine last year is evidence of that. Backed by a swing strike rate of 11.8%. But I just think the profile is a reliever. Um, he doesn't trust the change. And I think he's going to need more than the fastball slider that he's got. Not everyone can be Chris Archer. Um, not only are the pitches an issue, but the command's not great, as Nick said. And, and it's not even just the control. I mean, the control was bad, 4 plus, K, four plus walks per nine. But he just... He, I don't think he knows where the pitch is going even when he gets it in the zone. Um, this looks like a player that I think people are trying to project, like Francisco Liriano. And like I said with Archer, there, there were way more pitchers that have been similar to Francisco Liriano in terms of their command and control profile that have ended up in the bullpen than have ended up being Francisco Liriano. So I'm not going to view this guy as the exception. That said, I would feel a lot better about him if he was about 20 pitchers down the board. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that. I'd be willing to take the shot at that point. I just think right now is just a little too rich. I'm not really. What are you taking the shot on though? Do you, do you, is there anything telling that the walk rate is going to improve? Well, like I said, I mean, he can be there like, what percentage chance is there that maybe he's Liriano? 20%? Yeah, around there. I mean, he's really got to he's got to mix in a third pitch. So I mean, that's that's where I'm getting that from. But I mean, for instance, like I I can't fathom him going here and Luis Gohara going wherever he's going. Yeah. That's fair. The The only thing I would say, though, is like if you're not in a K to walk league like we are in our home league, um, I mean, maybe then it doesn't hurt as much because, sure, the ERA is probably going to be above league average, but the Ks are probably real. I mean, the, the fastball slider is a good combo. So it's like a cheap. It's like, a, well, the slider is good. The fastball is not necessarily good. And, and the slider is really good. He's got plus velo on the fastball, but the fastball is not good. So, so I mean, there's worse picks, but no, there's worse picks. It's just that's what I'm saying is is that there's a point where he becomes interesting. It's just not at 54. Yeah, yeah. There, there are guys behind him that I definitely like a lot. And better. and if you hear, let's say, sometime in spring training that he added a pitch, then he becomes very, very interesting. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move to 55, Aaron Sanchez. Every time I see A. Sanchez, I think of Annabelle. Oh, my God. Dude, I started writing about (laughs) Aaron Sanchez, and I was like, 
wait a second. This can't be Annabelle Sanchez. I started writing about Annabelle Sanchez. Why, do, why would Annabelle Sanchez be the 54, 55th? Because I am an idiot. <laughs> All right, Aaron Sanchez, 212.68. Last year was a lost year for Sanchez. Are you willing to take another shot? or do the blisters and potential relegation to the bullpen scare you off? So, yeah, the blisters absolutely scare me. They scared me off with Cueto. There's no reason they won't scare me with Sanchez, too. Uh, the good news is that he still managed to be just barely better than league average in ERA, despite being pretty much awful. A disaster, yeah. In every category imaginable. With that said, this is a lot of baggage for a guy who projects to be Marcus Stroman, pretty much at his absolute best. And uh, like you mentioned, relegation to the pen uh, likely doesn't really do much value as he doesn't have swing and miss stuff. So I, I actually like Sanchez going into last year, but unless the MLB, uh, unless if MLB changes the ball, um, I'm not that interested. Yeah. The blisters were obviously the issue. I mean, if he can find his way past those, I, I I do think there is some upside here. I, I do think he can be 2016 Sanchez or even better. I mean, because the stuff is pretty good overall. The curve is very good. The change has pretty good shape. And he's got two fastballs led primarily by the sinkers, which get a ton of grounders. That's what we're looking at. Um, the, he kind of reminds me at, you know, potential peak of what Marcus Stroman is. Um, which is a guy that's got multiple pitches, uh, maxes out probably around 8K per 9, but gets a ton of ground balls to provide him a safe floor. Um, but I, this is still a really significant investment for a guy that could be in the bullpen come May. Um, so I'm, I, I don't mind taking a dart throw. But I, again, like I said with Lamette, I'd much rather take my dart throws around SP70 than take them around SP55. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about, I mean, the next three guys all in a row are guys I would rather have over Sanchez and Lamette. Um, so let's move to them. And we're going to talk about the next two together. Blake Snell, 2-1, 3.32, 56 starting pitcher. And Mike Clevenger, 57th. Two one nine point seven seven. Both were very good down the stretch. That's why we put them together. Who do you think is more likely to end up top thirty? I like Snell over Clevin- uh, Clevenger. Um, Joe, Snell. Pat? Yeah, I have Snell uh, more likely to be in the top thirty. But I will say this for Clevenger: if he starts the year in the rotation. That division is going to give him some nice upside. But moving to Snell, after struggling to start the year last year, Snell had a breakout, which was kind of hidden in his season-long numbers um, due to his terrible start to the year. He was sent down in the first half, and he found himself in the second half thanks to two things. He repositioned himself on the mound and suddenly was able to find the strike zone. And he changed his curveball grip, and the pitch became absolute filth. Second half, second half last year, three point four nine ERA, eight point six one K per nine, and reduced hard contact allowed. Uh, to me, Snell looks like a pitcher that found himself in the second half last year, 
and I'm buying in a big way, regardless of the division and the competition. Yeah, I, I've been on Snell for a while, and I hate to admit, I used to say, get your Snelling salts. It was a pretty terrible uh, <laughs> pun on his name, but uh, it still is. It still and you is. brought it up again. And I brought it up again. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the stuff. Uh, the breaking stuff is absolutely off the charts, and like Pat said, that repositioning really changed um, everything. And if he's able to just walk less guys, and that's why I give him the edge, because uh, Clevenger yeah, really too. doesn't didn't show that he could do that and prove in the walks. Um, that's why it gives Snell the much higher edge and the much higher upside. But both guys are kind of similar. But uh, Snell's, Snell's ceiling, if he could maintain the changes, is wow. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a big difference for me, the walks. Um, Snell, we've seen, can improve. Uh, the only thing I want to mention, too, is that Clevenger also um, – changed his release point last year on his pitches and he finally settled in but again we didn't see the same reduction in walks so it's got to be snow all right let's move to the 58th starting pitcher taiwan walker 220.59 with the humidor coming do you think that walker could take his long anticipated leap as a post type sleeper yeah i i i kind of like walker um i liked him coming up and he's been extremely inconsistent year to year, especially with the home run rates. I mean, we saw in 2016 in Seattle, that bad boy jumped up to 1.81. That is not good. Um, and so when he went to Arizona last year, I immediately said, and I, I, I kind of remember you saying it as well, Pat, is that, wow, this guy could have like a seven ERA in 2017 <laughs> if he carries over that home run rate into, into uh, Chase. Uh, but he made some changes, and the home run rate came down, the ERA came down, and he looked pretty pretty decent last year. Uh, so I'm buying in. Uh, he's a guy that definitely can uh, take the – the humidor the, the can help him, obviously, because he's had the home run problems. And we saw a tick up in the K per nine. So if he maintains a 8-plus K rate, this could be a pretty interesting player to keep your eye on. Yeah, so I don't actually believe as much. Um, with a whiff rate of 8.6% and career high of 10%, and last year he was below average on chase rate as well, um, I'm just not sure I'm so sold on him improving his K per 9. Um, I don't even know if he'll get over 8 again. So I think the humidor helps, right? That'll uh, suppress any ERA regression he might have coming in his way from home runs. Um, it's like Walker's not bad. I just don't think that he's going to like break out and win you a league. I think he's just like kind of blah. Okay, let's move to the 59th overall starting pitcher, Alex Cobb, 222.8. Cobb had a good year results wise, but was lacking his best pitch. Do you think he will find it in his new home, wherever that will be? God, remember how much we used to love Alex Cobb? Yo, I yeah. went to Alex Cobb last year. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. All right, so the new you started wanted him, actually. Yeah, tell us you, why you went to Alex Cobb and tell him uh, about tell us about this year. I mean, you, you actually wanted him. I'm pretty well, sure yeah. you... you uh, <laughs> I reached out. <laughs> like, this is going to be the part of the podcast where I've got to step in and be the adult. <laughs> Be like, fine, I'll talk about him. Well, no, I'll I'll start off real quick. Look, bottom line is this. Now you're going to start off real quick. Yes. Listen, I still love Alex Cobb. The only thing is this. He's like 
not the Alex Cobb that I loved years ago. He's a completely different pitcher after the injuries. Um, I used to see him as a guy who could strike out a ton of guys and keep this, these good ratios, yada, yada, yada. But with the stuff that he has now and the, and the injuries and the changes that he's made, there's a real lack of upside as far as the K department goes. And I don't see him eclipsing seven uh, Ks per nine, which really just limits his upside because, yeah, he could turn in a 3.5 ERA or maybe even less. But if you're striking out that little amount of guys, I just don't think you're rosterable as a fantasy pitcher. So I don't know. It, my question to both of you is, is he rosterable if he maintains a, a, a sub 6.5 K per nine. It depends on the depth of your league and how it's valued storing pitching in a standard mixed league. He probably is right on the borderline. Um, but we have no way of knowing, you know, in before the season starts as to what his K per nine is going to be. So we've got, We've got to look at what we have and try and project out. And at this point, we have no idea because right now Cobb's value in terms of um, what he's going to be as a pitcher is tied to his split change. If he has that pitch, which was the trademark of his best years when we really liked him, um, if he has that pitch – the case will be back and they'll be back around high sevens, low eights to go with a good contact profile. And that's where he becomes a major value at this point. But the only way we're going to find out whether or not he's um, got that pitch is to see what he does when he finally gets into spring training, wherever that is. We've got to see him pitch in spring training games and you've got to read the reports and find out if there is anything positive about him and his changeup or him and his split change grip. If he has that pitch, he's a major value. If he doesn't, he's a low ceiling um, pitcher with a potentially disastrous floor. Yeah, he, he's like an innings eater at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I would like I would put him on par with Gio Gonzalez as far as floor goes if he doesn't have that pitch. Yeah, he, here's the deal. I, I, I would like to add, right? If you're in like an innings pitch uh if you have like an innings pick innings pitch limit or a start limit, then Cobb takes a huge hit. Right? Because you don't want to be shoving Cobb in with those those low uh those okay rates. If not, if you don't have a starting pitcher limit, a starting pitcher a start limit. Excuse me, sorry. Then, uh, then yeah, then I I think he could be kind of serviceable as a as an innings eater, even without the case. All right, let's move to our final starting pitcher tonight, Lance Lynn, two twenty six point one three ADP. Lynn is the anti Masahiro Tanaka using his fastball nearly 90% of the time. Do you think that approach can pay dividends outside of St. Louis? So my question really is, why is Cobb going in front of Lynn when Lynn's offered better health, better strikeouts, and a similar 
or you could argue a better ERA. I, I think ultimately it's going to depend on where Lynn lands. If it's somewhere like Milwaukee, then I'm afraid. If it's somewhere like San Francisco for whatever reason, even though they wouldn't, but if it was something like San Francisco or Tampa, then I'm much more interested. Um, I, I th- Whether it's our hearts, lungs, or other organs, the word diagnosis tends to make us uneasy. At Kaiser Permanente, our specialists care for you and about you, working together, creating a treatment plan specific to your diagnosis and total health. So from primary to specialty care, find reassurance in a great team of healthcare professionals committed to your healthy recovery. Visit kp.org slash specialty care to learn more. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.